Hello, welcome to Hearsay. This is my little podcast. My name is Saya. Thank you for tuning in to podcast number 61. Uh, It's been a little while between drinks because things have been getting rather busy again. But the good news is that I have a bunch of chats recorded that will come out very soon. Uh, You know, it's always a little bit of a process to edit the chats a bit and to make sure the artist has enough time to do the drawings for the podcast. Because as you know, the last question of my podcast is always, what's your strangest show experience? And that story is illustrated by a different artist, illustrator, drawing enthusiast, whoever wants to do it um, each time. By the way, if you would like to do a drawing for one of the guest stories, uh, please get in touch. You can do that via Instagram or Facebook. I'm always looking for people to do one. And, you know, the point of it is not only to create a cool connection between audio and visual aspects of uh, these stories, but also to showcase some new amazing artists. So I've been lucky enough to have many incredible people more on this episode's amazing artist in one second. My guest today is Scott Canberg, or Spiral Stairs, as some of you might know him by. Scott is one of the founding members of one of my favourite bands, Pavement, um, who he's played in since 1989. He has released albums with his band Preston School of Industry and most recently has released solo albums under his stage name, Spiral Stairs. I absolutely love this chat. It was so fun to hear some of his stories about old touring times, uh, find out some of his songwriting processes. Uh, We chatted a lot about songs and bands we were obsessed with, Uh, you know, lots of Talking Heads and Echo and the Bunnymen chat. Um, And of course, his strange show story is so funny and so great. Um, so Scott's strange show story was illustrated by the incredible Stephanie Olback. Steph plays in the incredible Sydney band Stressless uh, with a friend of the podcast, Conrad, who has also done an illustration for the podcast. If you rewind to the Gareth Lydiard one, um, very talented band, that Stressless. Check them out on Instagram at Stressless Forever. There's a link to their band camp in there as well. You can check out all Hearsay artwork on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. I hope you are all doing okay. More to come very soon. But for now, enjoy episode number 61 with Scott Camberg, Spiral Stairs. Hey, thank you so much for making time to be on my podcast. No worries. Finally, I'm here. I know, we did it. Every time I've um, we've been in touch, you're in a, a different city, a different country even. You're in LA and then Mexico and then Brisbane and then Melbourne. What's what's happening? Yeah, what I are know, you doing? It's just I'm I'm just following following the sun or something. I don't know. It's it's funny. I've never really thought of it um until my my kid kind of told me this the other day because we were doing like a school project where she had to talk about all the different countries she's been to and uh it just kind of hit me like shit we've we've actually been uh on the go for for quite a bit of time and i mean it's not always been that way i mean you know when i met sarah and uh we got married 
in 2010, you know, it, our intention was to live here in, in Australia. So yeah, we moved to Melbourne and, and got married in Melbourne. And so, but that didn't last long. We, <laughs> so, we mo- so we moved up to uh Cabulture of all places. <laughs> uh, oh, that's why. The, Is that why you moved away? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, well she got pregnant and so she wanted to be kind of near her mom and yeah, that's kind of why we were living up there and that was great, but it just, it didn't, you know, like we only lasted three years, barely three years there before we decided to go to LA and, and then three years in LA and then Mexico for four years. So, you know, and then the last year and a half has been crazy. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it was always our intention to come back to Australia. Did you move back through the pandemic or did you, was it sort of before? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, we moved back in August, at the end of August. Right. Yeah, because I saw you in maybe October or something when you came to the show I played with Robert Forster. Yes, And yes. I was like, oh, you're back. <laughs> but I felt like yeah. you've been traveling around so much. Well, it's funny because I, you know, I would always, when I would make a record, I'd always come to Australia. And, and, and even when I was living in the States and Mexico, I would... I think I'd been here three times. Yeah. So it was it was always kind of like when I'd see people, it'd be like, oh, I I thought you were living here. But wait, no, you yeah, don't. And- that's right. <laughs> yeah, because I think I ran into you a couple of times at the football maybe or pre or after footy. Yeah, and I always thought, oh, he's still living in Brisbane. Cool. But um, yeah. but no, you must have just been visiting. <laughs> I would love to live up there and, and um, I, I really, really love it. But... Uh, my wife uh, grew up there, unfortunately, so she's <laughs> she's like, I'm not living, I'm not living here. Even though she's kind of accepted that it's a much better place than it was when she, you know, lived in Fernie Grove or wherever it was, but yeah, um, or Sanford or wherever it was out there. That's beautiful but, uh, out there. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, I was kind of like when we were up there, you know, after we got back from Mexico, I went through quarantine and everything, and. And then Melbourne was closed, so we decided to live with her parents for four months, and <laughs> so it was. It was, uh, uh, but at that time, I was kind of like, you know what? Why don't we? Why don't we think about living up here? And and uh, yeah, she just couldn't do it. Still, yeah, fair enough. I mean, maybe you have your whole lives to retire to yeah. Brisbane one day. Somewhere, somewhere around there. I mean, I like. I really. Enjoy it. I've got a lot of great friends up there, and mm. and of course the music's great. And yeah. So if you moved during COVID, were you were you doing some music stuff in Mexico? Or sorry to ask you pandemic questions, but how how has the pandemic affected stuff that you've been working on? Um, there's kind of a two part answer. Mm-hmm. There's the there's the like spiral solo answer, and then there's the big band the old the old band the the other one who gets together every 10 years to play you know (laughs) so i'll i'll start i'll start with i'll start with spiral um i had made up a bunch of songs in mexico and um was kind of all ready to to make our new record and so i was i was i booked in uh, some time in la at my my engineer's place and I was getting uh, my this drummer uh, Justin from Broken Social Scene to fly to fly in and and play on this one and uh, about yeah about two weeks kind of before we 
Um, we're about to record the everything hit the hit the fan. So Shit. March, um, into February, early March was when I was supposed to record. Damn. So I just it just kind of Justin was just like I can't I can't come and and my engineer was just like I'm not you know we're not going to have anybody here you know and so then months went by and we were in the states for like uh, almost three months before we came back to australia so i thought i'd try again with like an with like another drummer of mine jim Lindsay from oranger who played on my last record as well and 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 so i was just about to do it with him and uh my engineer got cold feet again. He's like, everybody's got to be tested and you know, I'm going to got to be in another room. And uh, so I just, it just kind of freaked me out. So I said, nah, I'm not going to do it. So we got to Brisbane eventually. And, and then I just, when was it? Maybe in October, I talked to everybody again. And, and, um, my engineer said, why don't we just do it? You know, you've got these demos and we can just play to these demos and then you can just dub over that stuff. And I said, okay. So they all got together and I got up at like 4 a.m. in the morning to <laughs> Zoom and kind of go That's through the songs. That's so cool. Yeah, it was fun. That's like the the way of the future of music, isn't it? It's just like everything yeah. happens remotely now. It was hard, you know, because it was like my uh, my bass player was a little... was. He was kind of going through some hard times and um, was drinking a lot. So, uh, so it was like he didn't get a he didn't get a lot done, yeah. and uh, but he got enough done. And then and then of course you know just a couple of weeks ago he ended up dying. So that's so sad. Yeah, it's it's a sad story. He he was uh, he was a great guy. He's he played on all my records and been a really good friend of mine for forever and. He just died. He finally died of of drinking too much. And oh god, um, it's such a um, reality check for everybody who's been in the industry for so long. You know, it could so easily happen to any of our friends. Uh, you know, and it's people say like, you know, you're not affected by COVID by not getting sick, but you know, like people like this who've lost their job and don't have anything else except for music. You know, yeah. it's just like. Yeah, so yeah, the last few weeks have been pretty rough here and oh, so I'm my sorry. so I'm try I'm I'm almost ready to kind of get it finished. I've uh I've got some um I did a bunch of guitar tracks and I really all I have to do, really do is a, a few of the bass tracks that he didn't finish and then I have the vocals and and but, uh, so he's going to be on it. That's so lovely. He, yes, yes. And it's it's funny because I mean, it's not funny. It's sad because all my records are end up being about death in some way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like my la my 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 last one, my mother my mother died, so it was mm. like a big big thing lyrically. And the one before yeah. that, my my drummer had died, so it's just yeah, more yeah, it's just more songs about you know dead people. But that's I mean. I think that's such a universal subject. Everybody can relate to it, and uh, yes. you know nobody understands it truly. So why not yes. write about it? It's a mystery. And it always happens to me at these times. You know when I've kind of don't really know what to write about or to sing about. Yeah. You know, and and these these things happen in my life, and it kind of brings it all around. And 
something good comes out of it. Definitely. Like you said, I think COVID has different effects on people, like not necessarily the the illness that is COVID, but the effects that it has on musicians, you know, like even yes. people like David Berman and uh, who I'm yeah. sure you were friends with as well. He was more way more for like the other guys in the band. They were more in, in tune with that. Yeah. Guy. And, you know, or Justin Towns Earl, you know, like people oh, yeah, who totally. just made beautiful music just stopped in their tracks. It's so fucking sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depression is, is, takes so many different turns, you know, and it's just, it's been going on forever. And, you know, we just have to deal with it and try to deal with it. Mm. You know, I just looked at my emails today and like, <laughs> You know, it's like a, f- a friend of mine I grew up with just died. Wow. And then my my ex-wife's just like, oh, a friend of ours has lung cancer. She's about to die. Uh, and it's just like, oh, my God. When's it going to stop? <laughs> no, never. That's the answer. You look at Twitter or something, you know, it's just like, RIP somebody. I know. Oh, here's another guy. Someone who's, whose art you loved is gone. I mean, death used to be such a mystery, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now it's now, everywhere. God. But can I ask a question on a on a much lighter note? Um yes. is Jim Lindsay, who you mentioned before, yeah. um I feel like maybe I don't know if it's the same guy, but did he play in a band called The High Watermarks? Do you know Yes, that? he did. He did? Yes. So yeah. I think I stayed at his house when I was in um Kentucky. So when my my first band Sekiden were um were touring a bunch uh in the states this was probably like 2003 or something mm, and cool. um and I remember him because he he used to do this amazing thing where he'd like do drum roll like stand up to do drum rolls and then sit back down and you're almost like not sure if he was going to make it like <laughs> totally he's he's kind of been on my on and off drummer for years as well and 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 he was in this great band called Oranger from San Francisco right. that, that I put out their records on my on my label in the early 2000s. And, and yeah, they were just so amazing. And um, that's the same guy, yeah. He, he's, he's great. I've talked about his drumming before on this podcast cause, and I just never knew his name, but I'm so glad you said his name. Yeah, he was he was amazing because he, he um, oh, back in like, 2002 2003 when i did um my second preston school of industry record i mm. toured with Wil- wilco for like 40 shows all over the world and Amazing. jim was my jim was my drummer and and you know glenn is like the greatest drummer ever and yeah like totally. he, he would sit, sit by the side of the stage and watch jim every night it was really funny um well let's talk a little bit about um, the big band that you mentioned before, you said it, that COVID yeah. had affected the big band as well. Um, yes, yes, how, it did you guys have some shows planned? Yes, we we had planned to do uh, uh, the Primavera Festival in. Oh, well, that's right. Or, or, originally, we were supposed to do like a tour and Malcolmus, Malcolmus is so hard to get to commit to stuff. <laughs> so he finally said, okay, I'll do a tour in 2020 and we're like all right great and then about i don't know kind of right when we were starting to kind of think about planning at this uh festival primavera in spain and portugal uh offered us like 
so a lot of money to play just their festival in 2020. And so that was, that was our plan. We were going to, um, do that and then do a tour, uh, a proper pavement tour in 2021. And then, and then it got canceled. And then up basically a couple weeks ago, um, it was still going ahead for June, but now it's been canceled altogether. Oh, that's for, a bummer. For 2021. So now we're just pushed back another year. and Steve Malkmus will never, ever commit again. <laughs> well, I think he, I think he, I think he has to at this point because <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a big machine. And you yeah, know, like sure. What do you think it is? Is it just because he doesn't want to leave his family or? Oh. <sighs> It's that's the hundred thousand dollar question with Stephen Malcolmus. It's always been the struggle with us, with uh, you know, doing stuff. It's it's funny. I just I just was talking to this guy because um, we just did this big uh, record deal for our whole catalog with Matador Records mm. um, for like the next ten years, and one of the one of their ideas is to do like a pavement movie. But cool. we were like, we don't want to be in it. We don't, you know, figure something out. And so they got this guy to, this really cool guy, Alex Ross Perry, to come up with some really great ideas. And so I just talked to him on the phone uh, recently about some of his ideas. And, you know, he just asked me all these questions about pavement and stuff. Yeah. And I kind of like went into psychosis mode with Malcolmus and (laughs) 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 and uh so yeah so it was like you know I'm still dealing with with uh with some of his issues uh 30 years later and uh but I don't know why I mean he's you know he's got some good he's always had good reasons and bad reasons sure like everybody's happen yeah Yeah. you know I mean whatever it's I I, I'm to I'm sure I'm to blame as well. Well, I think it's also you know trying to get every single person in that band together at the same time must be tricky. It's a bigger machine than just just one person. Well, sort of. I mean, yeah, everybody's got their lives and stuff going on, and you know, it's it's hard with pavement because it's been you know it all, it would have been ten years since the last time we played, and yeah, when we do get to finally do it, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm sure I'm it will be. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I love yeah. that you talked about that you're in psychosis still. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a, a good friend of mine, like, who knew, you know, known me and Steve for years, is like, yeah, man, says that band's fucked you up. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, it hasn't. He's like, yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> what? What did he mean? Oh, just, just not, not, not. He didn't mean Steve. It, it was more like the band because sure. you know I've it, it's been my life basically for the last whatever years and yeah you know I've lived off of it. I've you know I've I've uh, cried off of it. I've whatever. Yeah. So, well, you manage the catalog and stuff too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I've kept it all together, Whoa. and I'm I'm actually looking in this little room which is just like a garage i'm looking at all my the pavement archives that i've wow. that I'm supposed to go, go through so what does it mean to to manage the 
the catalogue? Do you have like a day-to-day of what that entails? It's not a day-to-day. It's more like, I mean, it used to be when we were a band, of course, but mm. and then the first kind of 10 years we weren't a band when we were putting out reissues and stuff all the time. Yeah. There was, you know, quite a bit of work to get everything together, but um, now it's just like if somebody has a question about publishing or or let's you know like we're doing this terror twilight which is our last record we're doing a reissue reissue on that finally and so i've been kind of finding all the tapes finding all the you know sending all the artwork in and you know still still like worrying about payments stuff when i <laughs> don't really want to yeah <laughs> but it's but it's but it's fun you know it's it, it still has a still has a part in my life so. of course and you know it's the reason why you are who you are yeah 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 i guess <laughs> even though your friend said that they fucked you up <laughs> maybe but i've got but i've got some great posters <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I think I was reading, or maybe it was in one of your um, one of your videos where you said that uh, Steve was the brat of the neighborhood and you were the black sheep. So he used to tease you and you beat him up. Is that sort yeah. of like a precursor of <laughs> what it was like for the rest of your lives? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But he's he is he's much better at at um, psychology than me. I get I I'm not very good at uh, handling. my my engineer's wife is like she's a uh a professor of psychology and she's like all right this is what we're gonna do it's all about reverse psychology (laughs) so when you when he says all right let's do it you say no i don't want to do it (laughs) then i'm like but what if he what if he says okay then that's okay that's fine we don't have to do it (laughs) Is it working? <laughs> oh no, I'm never. I'm, I don't. I don't. I don't try it. I'm just like yeah. we're 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 doing it. <laughs> Let me know how it goes if you end up trying that reverse psychology. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've tried it. I've tried it before. It doesn't work on him. He's yeah. too smart. I I wanted to tell you my first memory of pavement because it's this really beautiful like visceral memory that I have. Cool. When I was about, I think I was about 14 or 15, I went to my first ever festival and it was called the Somersault Festival. It was at the Gold Coast. Um, And I remember, you know, it was, it was my first festival ever. So I was like so excited and like all my favorite bands were playing. It was like Beastie Boys and Beck and... (laughs) Bikini Kill and, uh, you know, Sonic Youth. Rancid. R- yeah, Rancid, obviously, <laughs> on top of my list. Um, <laughs> um, actually, I think I went to have dinner during Rancid's set. <laughs> Do you know, we we, uh, we, uh, we got on a plane in, in L.A. for that tour. And uh, it was like we were in the kind of, the, you know, the getting on the plane there's like sonic youth were there Mm -hmm. readers were there beck was there we're all on the plane and rancid was there and we walk in to the plane and it's like you have to walk in past first class and it's like all the rancid guys are in (laughs) first class and the rest of us are on the on the very back of the play. We're like, what? what? What's going on here? What the hell? What happened? Yeah, <laughs> they probably they probably either had a really good manager or they 
They just paid for first class? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Steve Pav really wanted them to come. And yeah, then right. And he was like, we'll put yeah, you first right. class. Um, <laughs> yeah, it always seemed like a weird match because everyone else was so like indie rock and, and stuff and then rancid. Oh, they were cool. They were cool guys. I mean, it was it was just, yeah. I think they just, they were just, they got big all of a sudden. Maybe yeah, that's sure. why. Um, but yeah, so my first memory of you guys was like, I was so excited and your drummer, Steve, had like a, he was wearing like a cape or something. And when mm. you guys went on stage, he, he like sort of like pretended to fly around the stage. <laughs> and then the other memory I had was um, that when you guys played Cut Your Hair, you kind of fucked up the beginning of it and you had to start again. And I remember mm. thinking that was really cool and strangely inspirational in a way because <laughs> nobody looked like they gave a shit. And it, and it also made it really special uh, to see that everybody was just human. Because I think before yeah, that I yeah. was like, if you're on stage, you can't make a mistake. But yeah. I remember thinking it was actually really cool that you guys fucked up like the hit at the time. <laughs> yeah, we did that quite a bit. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> we really did. I mean, it's not that. It's, we weren't trying to, we weren't doing it on purpose. We, we actually were like, you know, we were like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Let's do it again. And Sure. And, uh. Let's try not to embarrass ourselves you know, <laughs> anymore. But yeah, you, you know, I, I I actually love it when bands do that. I think it's Me the too. greatest thing ever. You know, like I've seen some big bands do that, and are like, whoa, like yeah, you know. it's the best. It really humanizes yeah. it. It does, doesn't it? What about? Do you have any memories of that festival? Any standout memories? Because it was like a touring festival, right? It went around Australia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty special because it was, you know, all the all those bands were friends of ours and and um not only friends of ours but we love the bands. Yeah. So it was like it was it was kind of a really cool time and around, you know, the, that you could go on a festival and just and be able to like sit on the side of the stage and see Sonic Youth or or uh the Breeders, well they they were the Amps on yeah, that that's tour, right. I think. Yeah. Um and uh you know, it's just, and then, you know, touring in Australia for, you know, for American bands was, was like the best thing ever because you would have so much time off, mm. you know, and, and of course Pav, you know, he, he did our tours from day one, Yeah, you know, it was like, oh, let's go to Byron Bay for a week, yes. you know, He's and so just that hang, kind of person. Hang, hang out. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty fun, and yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's funny. My my wife actually saw uh, saw us on that tour at oh, at really? the Gold Coast as well. Yeah, and she has she has like some pictures of of her um, with with pavement in the background. It's really creepy. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is like I don't know what. 15 years before I even met her so yeah 20, it was like 95 or 96 or something yeah um <laughs> yeah I had I remember as having the best day that day and it was literally one of those festivals where you'd because there were only two stages so you would finish watching one mm. band and sort of run to the other stage to see the start of the next band awesome. I just yeah it was so exciting but let's uh let's talk about songwriting because I am mm. obviously like 
a massive fan of your um, spiral stuff as well. Like, so you said to me in a text message, you're not very tech. How do you, how do you capture your <laughs> ideas? Do you record them? Do you put them in your phone or? It's, yeah, it's, it's a weird process for me. I mean, like I just, I used to do it, you know, on like Pro Tools. It was, it was more like, you know, kind of just putting down like demo ideas and kind of just putting on a bunch of stuff over it. And then I'd kind of, work, you know, figure out a song that way. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's just, recently it's just kind of the garage band thing. Uh, just being la lazy and just going like, plug in, a, you know, the Scarlet thing or the, um, with a guitar and just, and just make kind of, you know, you've got everything there. You got drums, you got bass, you got, you know, you got everything that you can kind of put on there and then play to it and, and so I just kind of fooled around that, been fooling around with that kind of stuff. And, and then as I listen to it, I just kind of make up more melodies and lyrics and that kind of stuff. And then, and then just kind of just start writing about pile it on every, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah. A lot of cases it's just, I, I just come up with a little, a riff and, and then just, I'm like, okay, well, this this can be a song. Do you do like a mumble track like Jeff Tweedy does or do you sort of come up with an idea and, and write the, the words out? Yeah, it's it's funny. The, the, mumble, the mumble track is actually the best thing because it, it gives you that, that first burst of, of emotion and, mm. and I, a lot of times I kind of keep that melody and so it's kind of hard like sometimes when I'm, like now I've got some songs where I'm like, oh God, I can't, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of some good lyrics. Mm. And so when that happens, I always kind of go to, I have a friend in LA who, well, actually he's, he's Australian. Oh, he's, cool. He, was, he used to be in a band called Jersey. Oh, I um, love that band. Remember that band, Jersey? Yeah, yeah Craig. They're amazing. Craig was, is an amazing lyric writer and he's helped me write, uh, you know, three or four kind of songs and, and so I went to him recently and I said, you know, I've got these, here's the melody, like, and it's, but it's funny because like he comes back with some pretty cool ideas, but then I go like, ah, uh, I like my mumble track. I think I'll just, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just write some lyrics around the mumble track. <laughs> but yeah, but, but he's written some really I mean, he wrote uh, Hypnotize, most of Hypnotize. Yeah. Some other great, great tracks. So it's i can't he's really I, i'm still waiting i'm still waiting on his ideas for this this one though because i've got, got a couple songs i'm a little stuck on maybe it's also a, a good exercise to know what you don't want like you don't want to write about this or you don't want that particular um yeah. word structure or syntax or whatever there's only so many dreams i can have i mean i i had a on my Doris and the Daggers record, I had a song. Uh, I asked Craig to help me with the lyrics. And so he sent me, he gave me the lyrics. And so I went in to the studio and started singing them. The, my engineer, Dan, was just like, ah, oh, dude, uh, that's not really working. Uh, <laughs> go, go home and sleep on it. So I was like, all right, all right. So that night I actually had a dream about my drummer that died, yeah. about him being in like this um kind of like suspended like he was a ghost and he couldn't kind of become you know dead really until i finished my song oh 
my gosh. And and I remembered every bit of the dream and it was like a the perfect lyrics. Wow. You know, I was just like I was just like, man, this is this is like where I need that again. I need I need more <laughs> of those dreams. Well, has that ever <laughs> happened to you before? Never, never. That's never, never. happened to me either. Yeah. Um, but that's beautiful. So he kind of came yeah. and and gave you a song. Pretty much, pretty much. Amazing. It was, it was like he, and it was the very last song I was was supposed to do lyrics on. So it's kind of a way to say, all right, it's time to finish finish the record. That's so nice. And di- and your producer was like, yep, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Much That's better. Great. He's like, so much better. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had this dream. <laughs> do you um do you have lots of people in your life that you can send things to to get an honest opinion? Um or do you just kind of like rely on on your producer at the time to tell you yes or no or Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of times it was Matt, the guy that my bass player, he died. I mean, Right. He was kind of the guy that I would always bounce ideas off of, and yeah, and uh, but n- not really anybody other than that. Uh, I mean, I don't really play things for my wife until they're done. And really, uh, have yeah. you ever tried? I've tried, and yeah, she's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not really one to kind of sit around the house on the guitar, like serenading, you know. Sure. With, um, Does I your mean, daughter ki- like you? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote a song about her on the, on the Doris and the Daggers record and Aww. there's a song about her on this new one. And so she likes that, you know, she's like, yeah. play my, play the song about me. And yeah, that's great. And, um, <laughs> she's into it she's she's into like playing um making playlists on my on my phone for the drive oh, cool. to sc- school now which is what's her go-to at the moment oh i don't know i think she likes she likes a taylor swift song she likes um she likes a lot of uh, k-pop kind of stuff um but then but then i used to play her cheap trick dream police when she was a little <laughs> kid so she was like it's like daddy so she like surprised me and put that on this playlist and i was like wow that's so that's cool, cool. Yeah. just just that one song she loves dream place yeah oh that's um, great it's a great song i know right <laughs> i love that um some kids just get so obsessed with one particular song i actually think i was like i was a really obsessive kid and i i think i've kept that one thing um, with me while I've grown older where I still would get obsessed with one particular song and play it to death over like you know a month or a week or whatever and then move on to the next song that I'll play to death Your music's amazing that way I've recently kind of went back into the David Bowie catalog and oh yeah you know and really I mean I've always loved them and I, I had my favorite records but I've never I've never really delved into like Aladdin Sane or into oh, yeah. uh, Lodger or you know like weird records that people are like oh, I don't know about that one and and the some of the songs are just like I, like you said talk about obsession over the song it's like I am 54 years old and I'm <laughs> obsessing over this song yeah you know like I want to know everything about it so yeah. you go on Google Google and you're like what's <laughs> oh, what's all this about and <laughs> 
Allah, I can love it. <laughs> oh man, I and it's so cool now because you don't have to like try to like sift through magazines or, or old no. enemies or old whatever. You don't have to go to the record store anymore. You can just Google it, and it's so nice. You can obsess in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> I li- I like I I I like that, but then I don't because I used to love the mystery of you know of the songs and uh well you don't have to make an effort anymore no no you don't you don't i mean i can go on you know youtube and figure out how to play my old pavement songs in like five minutes (laughs) (laughs) thank god for that (laughs) (laughs) oh it's the greatest thing ever (laughs) <laughs> i was um, all ready to do that you know i was just like a month away from watching old live videos of yourself <laughs> no no not that some guy teaching me how to play oh, my yeah. own songs <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great <laughs> are you someone who forgets lyrics while you're singing Ah, uh, yes yes i do i what do you do Ah, uh, mumble. Um, <laughs> I would always kind of do this thing where I, I would swap verses. You know, I'd be the, the second oh, yeah. verse would come first, and I'd be like, oh, fuck, here we go. Yeah. Um, I've done that. So I'd have to do this first verse, second, and then I'd be like, oh, but that's, you know. <laughs> then it's really hard to get into the first verse. Uh, I mean, the second verse once you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I just, I just noticed. Um, uh, Talking Heads did this. Uh, they were in the. They did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where they played for the first time, you know, since '83 or something. And uh, you know, one of their biggest songs was "Life During Wartime." And there's this yeah. great, great line about like, you know, you know, CBGBs and Mud Club. Yes. Whatever. And he sings it first. Oh no! Li- and then, and then. He doesn't swap it around. He sings it again. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you've got to at least swap out, swap the lyrics. Out. <laughs> oh. um, did you get to see American Utopia? I've seen a bit of it on, you know, on computer and stuff. but never, Right. You didn't get to go see, see it live? No, no, no. Neither did I. But I, I just went to the movies to watch it um, like on the big screen. A few months yeah. ago. And oh wow! Fuck, it was great. It was so good. I just, I just read the Chris France book and. Oh, I, I just bought it. Do you yeah. like it? Oh, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll give you my honest opinion. I love Chris France, and I, you know, I think he's awesome, and and his stories are awesome. Yeah. Um, in but the book kind of peters out. You know, like I, I mean, I love, I love the early Talking Heads records and i love all that stuff and that's kind of what the whole book's about right and then and then when it but but for me i you know i love speaking in tongues you know i kind of wanted a little more about like well why did they stop touring and why did you know like was it bitter there was a little bit of bitterness against david but because because he was kind of a strange guy and did some weird things but um but it just kind of left out. It's just like all of a sudden the book just stopped and you're like, well, wait a minute. What happened? But but if you're like really into like, you know, CBGBs and like, you know, every single show they played in 
you know, Europe in 1977. It's great. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> I heard I heard that there was some really gross stuff about making love to Tina in it as well. Oh, it's, it's not gross. It's just not gross. Like, it's just, you <laughs> just, know, a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, okay. But I think she's going to put out a book soon. So maybe maybe that's the idea. Maybe she's going to like put more effort into the later stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm still going to read it. I'm excited about it. But I was a little, I've been putting it off a tiny bit because I, I thought it might be a little bitter and I'm still on a big um, no. David Byrne trip at the moment. So talking about Talking Heads, was that something that you were super influenced by growing up? What were the bands that you were listening to when you were sort of starting to make music? Yeah, I mean, Talking Heads were big, um, uh, just kind of in the, you know, the pop music, you know, late 70s, early 80s kind of thing. They were... I think they affected me more than I realized they did, you know? Uh, my first show ever was Devo in 1980. Wow. Which I was, I was 14. and Was that like just before New Traditionalist? Yes. Prima Choice, uh, Duty Now for the Future. What do you remember about that show? To me, they were kind of... We had this thing in the States called the American Bandstand. I guess you guys had uh, like Countdown or whatever. It was yeah, yeah. similar or whatever, so... But American Bandstand was on every Saturday, and you'd get up to watch it, and they'd always have the, you know, every band was on there, you know, like Sex Pistols were on there, Talking Heads, Blondie. So, yeah, I mean, Devo came on, and they were like, who, who is this? Yeah. Who is this band? This is the weirdest band I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> it was kind of around that time where, you know, pop music was, was very, I guess, new wave, or, you know, there was Blondie was big, and... You know, this was just before, like, punk rock started kind of happening. So, you know, big rock bands were were kind of weird and, and great. And so, yeah, Diva was that kind of band for me. And, and it just kind of put me off into a different direction. For sure. You know, then the Led Zeppelin and the Who and, you know, all that stuff that that was on radio all the time. And so, yeah, I loved Diva. And, I mean, in 1980, they were a big part of my life, but also again in like the late 80s they kind of came back to be a big influence as well mm. um because of, then i started kind of putting the dots together like okay well, where's devo come from and oh that's they come from roxy music or they come from brian eno and and they come from weird rock bands you know, Captain Beefheart or something. And, and so it just kind of all like came back. And so, yeah, Talking Heads were kind of in that kind of same thing. But I've actually just recently completely gone back to the Talking Heads and, awesome. um, and obsessed over it. Like I've how I've never done it in the past, you know? Well, that's, yeah, that's that's the beauty of what we're talking about, isn't it? Is like yeah. getting older and still having that like childlike obsessive thing yes. about music it's oh. what about guitar music like was there anything that made you want to play guitar like was there anything where you're like this is what i want to do or this is well, what the, i want to okay. get so better this, at this this will tie in with your story great um echo and the bunnyman <laughs> echo and the bunnyman were my with when i was 16 i discovered echo and the bunnyman and that they were kind of the band. Them and REM were the bands who just took me to another to the next level. You know, like 
yeah, the 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 guitar sound echo and the bunny is so s- simple and one note. You know, like that's how I play guitar: one note solos and the, just this kind of mysterious sound to the guitar. And what was the What was your album? What was it? Crocodiles, or what was the album that made you obsessed with them? Yeah, the I think the first record I heard was probably Porcupine, which is the third record, and you know things like The Cutter and and then 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 Never Stop, and then Ocean Rain was like you know it was like wow this is great, but then then I went then I went back and I and for me Heaven Up Here is is the best record ever. I ended up following them around when I was 18 years old on tour. Oh, amazing. Uh, just recently, I had um, a, a good friend of mine, Kelly Stoltz, is this great songwriter from San Francisco. Um, he did this Echo and the Bunnymen kind of cover record, I don't know, 15 years ago or whatever. And, and uh, I thought that, you know, there was nobody bigger Bunnyman fan than me until I met <laughs> Kelly Stoltz. And <laughs> so, so Kelly and I became f- friends and, and stuff. And, and then, uh, just recently Kelly, uh, I told him I, I moved to Melbourne and he said, Oh, look up less. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, less the the old bass player from when the Bunnyman lives in Melbourne. Oh, so I was like, Oh, that's weird. Okay. I said, and this is kind of the, the time that my bass player was kind of going off the rails. And I was like, oh, I'll just I'll see if he wants to play bass on my record, you know? And, and uh, <laughs> so I so I got in contact with Les, and he lives like five minutes away. Wow. I know. <laughs> I know. That's right? so it's cool. So he did it? That? No, he hasn't done it yet because. Everything we've moved and everything, yeah. And but we're gonna, I'm gonna get him to play on a couple tracks. And wow, what and a dream! I know, I know. So, I'm going through like all my little, you know, my boxes in this that I haven't seen in like five years. Well, my yeah. memorabilia and stuff. And I've got these like pictures of me, like, and less in like 1985. Oh my god, that's so cute! <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> But yeah, it's so cute. Like when you think about, you know, your um, young self and all the cool opportunities that you've had over the years and all the the people Mm. that you've met that would have meant so much to you when you were younger. Oh, it's crazy. You know, I mean, it's I mean, I've been lucky because being in music and stuff and to to be able to meet most of most of these people. And what are some standouts for you? Have you have you got to meet some more heroes from your childhood? Oh, my, my childhood's, you know, that's a, I, I haven't met like, you know, the classic ones, you know, like the, the Bowies and the, and those kind of people. But, uh, but I, you know, like later on, I got to meet, you know, the guys from the clean. Yeah. I really love, and were such a big part of, you know, my life and music and um well i definitely feel like speaking of the clean i think that um when i listen to your spiral records i feel like there's so it seems so flying nun influenced i i can really hear that like guitar inspiration on all those records oh totally. is that mainly the clean do you reckon 
I rip him off all the time. Yeah, you know, it's the clean. It's it's just that whole scene, you know. I mean, it was huge part of of uh, early pavement stuff, and and then you know, and then playing with those bands a lot over the years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just bound to kind of influence you, and for sure. And, um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I met Mark Smith once, but he was he was just out of it was oh, no. in, an, in an elevator and um it was uh not it a was good actually experience a, no it was pretty funny it was in primavera the last time pavement played primavera oh yeah we, all the bands stayed in a, in like the same hotel and my wife and i got in the elevator it was marky smith and his wife and you can kind of tell he was like you know gacked out or something and and so he just kind of I, I think she knew who I was, but like Mark kind of just was like grunted, you know, like he didn't <laughs> want anybody to talk to him. And, sure. And uh, so like we got in the elevator to go down and then the elevator stopped on like two floors and um, Colin Newman from Wire gets in. Oh my God. Who's, you know, I love Wire. Yeah. And uh, gets in and he kind of goes kind of looks at me because I've met him before and he's like hey Scott uh, and then he goes hey Mark and Mark just grunts and then <laughs> and I'm like holy shit and so we go we go down to a couple more floors and three members of Mission of Burma get in the elevator wow. and I, I'm like holy shit so I tell my I, I tell my wife you know in full of you know, everybody can hear it. I said, Jesus Christ, this is like a post-punk what dream. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and Marky Smith just grunts. <laughs> oh, it was pretty funny. Wow. What a, that's so funny. Imagine if that, if you had just like casually pressed the emergency stop button. I know, right? So that was my Marky Smith. You know, like yeah. he was, he was definitely a big part of influence. Um, yeah. Who else? I mean, my, my story involves like you know the the king of them all, Ian McCulloch. So oh, I've, okay. I'll ask you that question. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me your strangest show experience, or what is the strangest thing that's happened to you because you play music? So yes, Ian McCulloch, singer of Echo and the Bunnymen, who I followed around, yeah, idolized. He's you know he's always been kind of this enigma. I kind of stopped listening to, I mean, Echo and the and broke up kind of late 80s. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of easy not to really care anymore. And so Pavement did their thing in the 90s. And, you know, he'd go over to England a lot and you'd be like, you know, that guy looks like Ian McCulloch. And, you know, it's it never is. And <laughs> Everyone just looks like that. <laughs> yeah, everyone kind of, yeah, tries to look like that. Or for a while they did. And, yeah. and then it, they looked like somebody else and then so you just kind of forgot about it and then the very last pavement show was in london in 1999 mm -hmm. and we played this show and malcolmus was like you know kind of yeah not a happy guy so like nobody was really happy and Aww. we knew this was going to be the last show and and it was just a big a, a bummer a real big bummer so I was just like, all right. So I went back to the hotel, walked into the 
walked in past the bar, and I see this guy. He looks like Ian McCulloch. And I'm like, ah, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> you know, it's not him. But it does look like him. Uh, I'm just going to go up to my room and, you know, like be depressed. So yeah. I went up to my room, and about like 20 minutes later, this guy that runs our label there says, hey, Ian McCulloch's down here. And I'm like, what Whoa. the fuck? <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so this is kind of around the time that like uh, Pavement had covered, covered uh, the Killy Moon. Yeah. Um, I remember that. And I had like a CDR of it. So I was like, oh, I'm a, you know, like, but, but I didn't say anything. So I went, so, so this guy from the record label says like, meet us in room 212. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, I'm like, shit, I'm just going to bring this CDR just in case, just to give to him, you know, to yeah. say here, here's the, here's our one song. Chance. So we get, <laughs> so we get to the room and, and it's like Ian McCulloch and this record label guy, me, some like famous soap opera star from England who, of course I don't, I have no idea who it is. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. And in like orders like all these like drinks beers and stuff and so we're sitting there and he's like you know we're just kind of talking i'm i kind of try to say like my band was really influenced by you and mm. blah 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 but he you know he was just kind of i don't know he didn't really care so i think my record label guy said yeah scott they, their band just covered one of your songs <laughs> and he's like oh yeah and i said yeah i've got it right here <laughs> and he's like oh cool let's hear it oh no so it because oh, he had like no. he had like a he had like a little boom box so he puts it on and it's like fate up against your will <laughs> steve you know steve kind of singing and he's just he could look and then he's just and then we kind of we kind of changed the lyrics up a little bit and, and he turns off and he says the lyrics are all wrong <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> Was that like the longest few minutes of your life listening to that yeah. song with him? And then he goes, oh and he God. goes, he goes, listen to this Donovan song I just recorded. <laughs> I'm like, oh great. Okay. So, so, but, but it was it. So like we we hung out for a while, whatever, and it was great because Malcolmus wasn't there. <laughs> And it was just like I felt I felt like I was having this moment at the very end of my band with my hero. Yeah. And everything had come full circle. And so amazing. I went to bed and I was just like I felt great. So That's amazing. What a so, like pendulum swing from yeah. the worst to the best. Yeah. So fast forward. <laughs> um I don't know how many years later. That was what when was that? Nineteen ninety nine? Wait, can I just rewind for one second? Yeah. Did you see the rest of your band after or the next day? Or were you able to go guess what happened to me? Nope. Never told them anything. Wow. Okay. No. <laughs> nope. Wow. No. I, because it was it was just such a personal experience and, and yeah. I mean Malcolmus would have liked it because he would have because he was you know, he went to see Bunnyman shows with me when we were yeah. when we were young and stuff, but I, I might have told him, but I probably didn't because of 
because of the how much bum we were, we were so bummed yeah. about the show and but yeah but okay, no no one forward. else yeah fast forward to like maybe 2015 maybe so my buddy Kelly Stoltz who I told you was you know a bigger bunny fan than yeah. than I was ended up being the guitar player in Neck and the Bunny Man. What? The the backup the like the extra guitar player. Yeah. Amazing. So he said he was like touring with them a bunch. And we were just about to move to Mexico and it coincided that they were playing a show in Santa Barbara. And he said, Come to the show and it was it was surreal. It was just like you know, the crowd was just like you know, nothing had changed for this crowd since 1985. They were all, oh, they wow. were, but they were all in their 50s now. And, but they were all kind of dancing the same way and, you know, drinking daiquiris. And it was, <laughs> fuck, it was just weird, weird. And so they played the show and Kelly said, you know, come backstage. And I went up backstage and there was absolutely no one backstage. Weird. And it's always um, so weird when that happens, when you're like know, the only one that goes back. To someone else's backstage, it's so fun. I, I, I hate know. it. I know. Kelly was kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, like hey, I have a beer," and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Wow, this is weird." And th- and then I'm like, "Where's Matt? Where's Mac?" Because that's his, you know, nickname. Mac. Okay, yeah. And he's like, before Kelly had the chance to say like he's in the next room, I hear this spiral. Spiral. <laughs> I'm like Kelly's. Kelly's like you're being summoned. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. For one thing, how does he know my name is Spiral, and yeah. how does he know I'm here, and what the <laughs> fuck is going on? So the op- the manager opens these doors up, and it's just Ian McCulloch in this room, and all of a sudden. They shut the door and it's just me and Ian McCulloch in the room. Ugh. And I'm like, ooh, whoa, this is weird. Like, I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, spiral stairs. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, I heard you were coming tonight. He said, I've been waiting for you for f- 15 and a half years. Oh my God. He goes, since that night in London. When you played me that song where the lyrics were all wrong. <laughs> Can you fucking believe that? That's amazing. And what did so you say? I'm like, oh my fucking God, what, what, what? <laughs> and so I kind of, I was trying to be cool and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, whatever. You know, like, oh yeah. So, and he, and then all of a sudden it, it was just after David Bowie had died. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said to him, I go, man, I go, what do you think about Bowie dying? He's like, oh, sad day. He goes, did you ever meet him? He goes, met him once, made me pay the bill. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, it was, it was 679 pounds. <laughs> I was like, oh. Wow. I go, you know, what was it like? He goes, well, I'm like, what? What? 
<laughs> started talking. He started talking like Daffy Duck. Why? <laughs> so I, I have no idea. So I'm like, okay, well that's weird. And I said, so I go, did you ever meet Lou Reed? And he goes, oh yeah, Lou Reed. He he stiffed me too. Quack 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 quack. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so at that at that point, I said, I want what you're on. <laughs> and he snaps his fingers, and his fucking tour manager comes in and says here you go whoa and and so i'm like oh my god really this is fucking happening what was said, it cocaine cocaine okay so his manager gives me like a line of cocaine and i'm like oh god i'm gonna like i'm sitting here talking to my hero and i'm about to talk to him in duck <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happened? Did you duck out? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. It was it was pretty crazy. I mean, like I was just like, I want to stay here all night and hang out with yeah, you, dude. Cool. But he, he kinda cut it short after about half hour or so. And but it was <laughs> pretty fucking surreal. <laughs> That's so great. And then were you just talking duck to everyone outside? Anyone who would listen? <laughs> Yeah, Kelly, Kelly was Kelly was used to it, so it's like, yeah, that's what happens. Well, that's an amazing story. Thank you so much for telling it. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for making the time to do the podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. It was so lovely to talk to you about everything. Yeah, it was great. Thank you for bringing out these memories. Yeah, I hope you get to do your pavement shows uh, maybe next year. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I think... That's the idea. I mean, I think we're just going to wait until next year until everything gets sorted out and and uh, nobody's stressed. And What's everyone else doing? Is, there, is everyone else doing projects? Are you supportive of each other's projects? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Malcolmist, you know, has like a couple solo records he's still put out and our drummer Steve West has like a couple things he's done recently that are great. Uh, Bob has, Bob's got like a, uh, a, a record label. It, does a lot of really cool um local bands and uh and mark just you know he's still kind of in the food scene and he plays music every once in a while with some hippie bands and yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've never met mark but i always thought he just looked like the nicest man for just from like his general oh, demeanor he's great <laughs> he's great he's great i mean i i i it's the COVID thing kind of, it's it's sad because he was working on um, uh, Amy, uh, what's her name? Amy's, his wife, his wife would do all the um, costumes and stuff for this woman's show. Oh, is it and Amy Sedaris? Amy Sedaris, that's it. Yeah. Sorry. And so Mark would do all of the, like, the food styling for the show. Oh, amazing. So it was really interesting kind of thing going on and I wow. think that kind of got stopped. But um, but he's doing good, and yeah, I mean everybody's still, you know, on good terms, and yeah. So. I mean, you have to be if you're planning an, another thing together. Yeah. Otherwise, why bother? And our our old drummer Gary's still around, and and oh yeah, what happened to him? They're actually making a movie about him. That's really great. Really? Yeah. Like so. like his life. Kind of just yeah, I guess. I guess about his life and about, wow. you know, he's been, you know, he's been in like 
hundreds of bands and yeah. over his life. And but he's got a great story and and uh, I mean, pavement was just a little bit part of it. Yeah, I love that story about him just going out it, like after soundcheck and buying a gun. <laughs> and you were, he was like, you can just buy one of these. That was <laughs> he did he did that he definitely did that. <laughs> 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 I love that. Thanks again so much. 